0: Episode 64 of Fitness Behaviour of Bevan James Isles, what box are you in? Righto, team, welcome along to episode 74 of Fitness Behaviour, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness, so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. Now you may notice right now that I am losing my voice, and um, yeah, it's, it's one of the downfalls of screaming at people for a living. And uh, over the last few days my microphones haven't been that good so today I'm going to persevere, I actually think I might pause in a second and grab a glass of water but today I'm going to try persevere and hopefully it's not too much of a frustration for you in today's show. So I'm actually going to grab that glass of water right now so just hold a second. I am back and my throat is a little bit more lubricated, I'd, I'd hardly say I sound much better but my throat feels a little bit better with that water. Team, uh, this this episode is very much the episode which is the Bevan episode, and instead of kind of having one key concept, I've got a few different things I want to talk about today, so um, yeah, I'll be getting into that real soon. One thing I will share with you guys, I was talking in the last few episodes about me doing my marathon, and unfortunately I got a bit of a knee injury in my last long run, so I did a 36k run, and with about maybe... I came from home, I twisted my knee a little bit, and it's not a major knee injury, but it was enough to have to make me pull out of my race, and in some ways, it was a bit of a bummer, I would have loved to have done the race, and I was feeling really good, but to be honest, I kind of got a lot of what I wanted out of this race anyway, in my training, and I think it's a really important thing to remember with injuries, is that injuries are a part of being an athlete, and it's actually funny, because... When I think about my new exercises I deal with, often what happens when you get new exercises and you get them in the, the routine of being successful with exercise and an injury comes along, they th- it, it, it crumbles their world and it's partly because their world doesn't have much of a foundation at this stage, you've just got them into a new habit and this habit, the feeling successful with this habit. At the same time, they've got a long way to go before they're actually going to be have the strong foundation of knowing how to exercise for long term. So they're, they're gripping very tightly to the, the success they're experiencing right now. And one thing you're trying to do as a coach or as, as a fitness instructor is trying to keep them in the game, because the longer I can keep them in the game, the more of a foundation they're going to build so the exercise becomes a sustainable part of their life. Now, the most unfortunate thing to happen at that time is injury. And it's really unfortunate for a few reasons, because A, it's not a lack of character. So, an injury is often just an unfortunate event, or, you know, a weakness that's been exposed, you know, through you increasing the load on your body, and so when this happens... It's not necessarily your fault, whereas a lot of times with people who have tried exercise in the past and trying to get back into it, they kind of just give up because they consider themselves lazy or they don't like it or it's hard. Or, so they can look at their, their self and blame themselves for their lack of character. But the injury is a different thing because the injury isn't that lack of character. And unfortunately, what these people often do is they, they use an injury... Well, they don't use it, but when the injury hits, it just tells them that they'll never be successful with exercise. And if I look at the flip side of where I am right now, I've been a guy who's exercised intensely for, you know, nearly 20 years of my life. Now, with intense exercise, injury is going to be a part of the game. When you're doing a marathon training, you're going to experience injuries as a part of that experience at times. And what we're trying to do as athletes is we're trying to manage our body so we avoid these injuries. And unfortunately for me this time, I just, it was actually just the way I stepped one time as I was just turning a corner and I just twisted my knee a little bit. Now, it's a bummer. It's a real bummer, because I would have loved to have done my race. I was training well. I had a goal and I felt like I was in a really good place with that goal. But there's gonna be other races and because I have that foundation of fitness, I know that my job really is right now is to, to get money right so that I can then sit down and maybe another four or five weeks from now and reset, maybe aim for another goal that would be a similar experience for me moving forward. But the key difference between myself and the person who's maybe a little bit new to injury, I mean to exercise, is that I understand injury is the part of the game. And when we have injury, my job is to be responsible in getting the injury right. If you are someone who's new to exercise, I think in some ways you've got to know that there's going to be injuries along the way. You know, and, and admittedly, certain types of exercise tend to bring on more t- different types of injuries. So, for example, impact exercise tends to bring on more injury. Uh, your high intensity, like your CrossFit, you know, there's more injury in the CrossFit. It's, it's a great workout but definitely comes with more injuries. When we're moving to any kind of newer movement that's more demanding or high, high intensity, we're going to experience more some injury. Now, our job is to manage our body, but just to accept, if you are somebody's new to it, to know that at some stage I'm going to get injured. Now, what we're trying to figure out when we get injured is what's the best, best path forward. Now, admittedly, If my marathon was my first ever marathon, or if it was like a New York marathon, it was a really important marathon for me, I probably could have pushed through, done a little bit more damage to my knee, but not enough to be permanent damage, and sometimes as an athlete you're going to go, this is a very important goal, I'm going to push on through with this injury, knowing and accepting that, with this in mind, that... It's going to do more damage, and it means after I've achieved this goal, there's going to be a higher cost of fixing my body after that. So maybe a longer period of time out from exercise, maybe more recovery and um, support needed by the medical professionals around you, those types of things. So sometimes you aren't going to do that. But I think for the newer exerciser is when we get injured, is there's two things, is to keep being responsible. And if anything, while I'm gutted that I wasn't able to do my race, the one thing I am proud of is that I've been very responsible in getting myself back to exercise in the way I like to do it. A, I accepted that I wasn't going to do this race really quickly. B, I got myself on a plan that's going to get my knee right as fast as possible so I can get back to exercising. And that's the first objective for the newer people, is my job is to get back to exercise, or get my injury fixed. Sorry, I got myself confused there. My job, my first job is to keep my injury fixed. Now, one of the problems when people who have got injured, who haven't been successful with exercise in the past, is they keep pushing through because they're feeling good about exercise. And we don't want to do that. We're much better off to not push through and get our body right. So your first job is to sort out the injury. Now, the second thing you want to do is when you talk to your fitness, per, your medical professional, sorry, is talk to them about how I'm being successful with exercise and I want to maintain the habit because what a lot of people will do is they just kind of stop and a lot of injuries you can work around and do different types of exercises at the time while you're recovering your body. And I think in my own experience, so like I've been doing exercise for, again, intensely for over 20 years. And in that 20 years, I've had quite a few injuries. But to be honest, I haven't had that much time of exercise. And purely it meant that at times I may have had to pull back from certain types of exercises. I may have had to shift my focus around exercise. I might have had to drop my intensity around an exercise. But I've still been able to maintain some level of exercise. And I think for the newer person who has started to build some foundation, who gets injured, A, your first priority is to get the injury sorted and not try to push on through, but then B, when you're working with your professionals who are helping you get it sorted, talk to them about what can I do to keep the momentum going, that my objective is to maintain the building of my foundation around exercise, and that while the way I do that may change as the injury happens, is it possible that I can still do it? Now, sometimes you're going to experience injuries that are actually pretty intense, and these injuries are very, very limiting. So, you know, you might roll your ankle so bad you can hardly walk, or you may have broken a bone, or you know, a very bad muscle tear that basically means you're not going to be doing much for a period of time. If you're the newer exerciser at that moment, that's where you've got to really keep focused on two things not being emotionally destructive if you go to this place that I'm never going to be successful with exercise, often what happens there is we get emotional. And then what happens is those emotional behaviours that can come along with being emotional can really come in place. So, for example, you may think, oh, bugger, you know, I was doing so well with exercise and, you know, I'm never going to be good at it. So, A, I'm self-identifying that I'm never going to be good at it. B, that leads you to eating a bucket of biscuits. That leads you to you know, lacking sleep, it leads you to bad behaviours that actually take you further back than where you started on your exercise journey. So while I'm injured, my main goal is to be do as little damage to myself as possible. So you may say, okay, well I can't exercise, but I can really look after my diet over the next period of time. I can really look after my, my resting patterns over the next period of time. I can really look after, you know, healthy habits over the next period of time so i'm doing as little damage to my body and a downtime that i have to do because of my injury the second thing to think about is what should i be planning on doing when i can get back to exercise and and it's a really important thing here because what often what happens and this is the more the problem of the experienced exerciser is when the experienced exerciser gets injured what they tend to do is when they come back from exercise injury, they go to a level of exercise that was too high based on where they currently are. Now, I think I talked about this in the last podcast here. Late last year, I got injured a few times, which meant I couldn't run. But one of the keys to me being able to train for a marathon was doing a really slow build towards getting back into exercise. And so when you come back to exercise, your aim isn't to start where you were before you got injured. Your aim is to start a few steps back from that. And that's what you want to think about for the newer exercises, is when you get injured, is allow yourself an easy start point back into it. And realize it will probably take you, like they say, and this is a bit, this is not 100% accurate, but it's kind of a good way to think about How long was I out? How many steps back should I take? So if I was out for three weeks, well, take away three weeks from that moment before I was injured. And what level of exercise was I doing at that point? And it's a good, it's not 100% accurate, because you actually want to work mainly with your professionals around this. But once your medical professionals have given you the all clear, then from there really what you are looking at doing is, is slowly building back to exercise. And I suppose my last point is to realise that, to reinforce that this is just an injury. If I'm wise in how I deal with it, I will be back to exercise. And if I can, again, if I'm that newer exercise is to really look at it and to think to yourself, well, I think although this last experience has ended in injury, which is a bit of a bummer, it has taught me that I can start to build my foundation. So just to kind of recap, because I think this is a really important subject, injury is a part of exercise. How we deal with injury is really important because we can make it get worse or we can get on top of it and get back to exercise. For the more experienced people is, is learning to stop when you need to stop and getting it sorted. And then when you get back to exercise, try not to start from the moment where you just was you're just before you are injured. And from my least experienced, my new exercise is to A, realise that you're starting to build a foundation and that how I deal if it's really important. So get good advice. B, Remind myself that when I come back to it, to take a few steps back and not be destructive, and see to not blame my character for this injury, instead to look at this time and go, "Wow, this this teaches me that I do have the ability to be successful in exercise." I hope that helps because I, it is frustrating getting injured. Like you know, as much as I'm kind of, I think I've got a pretty good attitude towards my injury. I would have loved to have been there doing that race, and you know, but so be it you got to be wise. Anyway, I'm going to get into the main gist of today's show. Before I do, I just want to thank a few of the patrons of the show. And I have got a new patron this this, this month for this, for this show. Uh, and there's Louisa Crosby. Now, Louisa Crosby is actually a girl who's come to the gym for years. And it was quite cool when she sent me through the patron um, message. You, you, you know, Patreon sends you through a link saying someone's you know, become a patron of your show, but Louisa also just sent me a little email saying, oh, you know, I want to become a patron of the podcast, and uh, so I finally got around to doing it, but one thing that Louisa does, so Louisa is this girl who's been coming to my classes for a long, long time, and uh, she's a fit young woman, I tell you, she's a fit, strong woman, and she's always training pretty hard when she gets in there and absolutely kills herself, but one thing I didn't know about Louisa is she has a bit of a passion for food and cooking, and... Yeah, and she's got this Facebook blog called Kitchen Gains, and she's actually got a website which is called. Cool. I'm going to pull up a link right now. Ah, oh, KitchenGains.com, KitchenGainsGains.com. It's G-A-I-N-Z.com. I'll put a link to that on DubDubDubBivinJamesIsles.com this week when I do the uh, show notes for the show. But basically, she's she does all these kind of amazing recipes and very healthy recipes uh she's obviously a, a bit of a health nut but she's just got these really like and she does a great job because you know how sometimes when people do recipes i don't know they <laughs> the photography is not that good it's really not that well described but she does a lot of paleo and a lot of just lots of different recipes but great photos great recipes and it's all for free so if you are looking for some just good, healthy recipes, well, A, you can go to kitchengains.com, but you're probably better off just get her her Facebook page. She's got quite a few thousand listeners, so, you know, if you are listening to the show and you want to get some good ideas around healthy food, she's got some good snacks here, like, for example, coconut cherry mousse slice. It's a paleo kind of treat there which sounds pretty good. Uh, also got like salmon with spiced coconut crust. So lots of different kind of good little recipes here. So I'm gonna call you mm, what's gonna be your nickname Louisa I'm gonna call you the kitchen queen. There we go you're the kitchen queen because I know that's pretty obvious but I'm going with it. You're yeah, the kitchen <laughs> the kitchen queen. It's just you know again great website. Once again it's Kitchen Gains with the Z Dot com for lots of good recipes and follow her on Facebook because I think she's doing really great work. Um, just to name some other patrons of the show, we've got uh, Mary Jane Mariko, Mary Jane the magic, we've got Tr- Katrina the architect, we've got Kim anderson Headley. surging further. It's interesting, Kim actually did the marathon that I was meant to be doing last weekend and I had a chat to Kim before the race and we just talked about what you should be focusing on and uh, Kim was talking about how as an athlete she often focuses on the people around her and we had this focus of your job is just to focus on what you can control in this race within your own self not the external influence of the race and uh she had an absolute blinder of the race and she said she sent me a text after the race just saying I had a 95% race and and that I just 95% of the time I stayed focused on what I should and her result was absolutely amazing. So well done Kim, I'm bloody proud of you. Um, so those guys are some patrons of the show, guys. Once again, if you want to become a patron of the show, if you love the work that I'm doing here, go to bevanjamesisles.com and there's a little link to the Patreon page. Go on there, you'll donate every time I put out a show and it really does make a big difference to what I'm doing. Um, I think once I get back from England... I've got some big plans for this show in the second half of the year, and once I kind of get back from England, I'll be able to spend more time on doing that, and to be honest, it's only because of the patrons, because the the financial commitment they give allows me to put some time into this, so once again, to all the patrons out there, you guys are rock stars, I appreciate your support, and if you want to become a patron, go to bevanjamesisles.com, and okay, Louisa, the Kitchen Queens, Crosby's, kitchengains.com. Hi guys, I'm going to get into the main gist of today's show. Here we go right now. There's kind of two things I want to talk about in the main gist of today's show. and uh, The first is, and, and I'm not sure, if I think that they might be quite short as I kind of talk about it. One of them is going to be based on the interview I did on the last show with Kyra. And then one of them is going to be just... Uh, a thought about a different area of life. Uh, Let's start with a thought of a different area of life. Uh, there's one I was having a conversation with um, a friend the other day um, about a relationship that they'd had in their life with somebody who was quite an important person in their life earlier on in their life. And how do I put this? At some stage, something happened in the relationship that made that relationship really bad, and, and actually. Teenage years happened if we're gonna be honest. Teenage years happened. So basically it was this person's father, and this person's father had a you know, mother and father split up when this person was about twelve. And the father tried to be there at those in those those years. But at the same time, you know, teenagers want to reject parents and it was just a really tough time for lots of people and, and the kid was really hurt through that process and and so on. So by the time this person I was talking to got to 20, they had this anger and frustration and disappointment in their father. And uh, we we're talking, this person's now about the same age as me, we in their late 30s, and I was just talking about how about three years ago they realised they needed to let go of the frustration and anger and, and energy that they felt when they were with their father. And as they kind of went through this moment of of realizing of letting go, I suppose, is probably a better way of putting it, they kind of realized what they had done by holding on to this frustration. And a few things that happened that was were, were the case. First of all, while you know, nobody's perfect. And anyone who's a parent right now listening to this knows that parenting's a bloody hard thing to do. And it's something that we all, you know, I don't think any parent thinks they absolutely nail it. I think we all have things that we think we do well. And after the fact, things we wish wish we could have done better. And while this person's parent wasn't a perfect parent, once this person realized that it was time to let go of the frustration and anger and you know, the emotion they held towards their father, they could see what had happened earlier on in the piece in a much different light. And they could see that maybe what they they interpreted from their father's actions may not have been true. And that some of the ways their father acted may have been based on the problems the father was experiencing in life. Like, it is funny, isn't it? Like, in, in your teenage years, it's so much about you and your struggle and why nobody understands and why, you know, everyone's working against you. And, you know, even when your parents are trying to do the wise thing and protect you, you just think that they're resisting you and rejecting you. And and you don't have that foresight to be able to look and to think, wow, these guys are humans. And it's actually funny, I was just listening to a, a comedian podcast just before I started today's show. And one of the guests on the podcast was talking about his mother and how when his mother his mother and his father broke up when he was very young and in his teenage years, he would be really difficult to his mother's partners because he didn't want his mother to have anybody. But then by the time he was in his late teens, he would go out on Friday night and see his mum home alone, kind of lonely. And he felt bad because he'd switched over to that place of awareness of of other people in my life, and how it wasn't so much always about him, and, and he was saying how luckily his mother actually met this really amazing man, and it was so great that she had this man, but it wasn't until he was later on and more mature that he had the ability to realize, ah, oh, my mother is human too, and that's kind of what this person was talking about here, is that after the fact, you know, in his late 30s, once he finally let go, He was able to look at his father through his times and see definitely his father had faults, but also to realize that his father was human and his father may not have been intentionally doing the wrong thing for him there or or, or, or was just making mistakes that, you know, should be forgiven. And that for really nearly 20 years of his life, because he held on to this anger, frustration, resentment, he actually missed out on an opportunity to build a, a really important relationship in his life. And it was fascinating what he was talking about, because he was saying how once I let go of that and opened myself up to my dad, I realized he, he was a pretty great man. And actually, we've got a really good relationship that's a, that adds a lot of value to my life now. And in some ways, that's, you know, only been three or four years of my life. And in some ways, I've by holding on to this thing that, you know, that really kind of really affected me at the time. And, and, you know, like, let's be honest, it was it was real at the time, but holding on to it for so long, look at the costs on my life. That for over, you know, for nearly 15 years of my life, I held resentment to someone who actually wanted to be there and support me, who, once I let go of that resentment, actually has become an important part of my life. Now, while I'm talking about this experience with parents, and I think a lot of us probably have that with the parents in our life, is that, you know, again, it's hard being a parent. And uh, a lot of us hold on to a lot of frustration from things our parents did. But I think the bigger thing I want you to really explore right now in your life is, is what am I holding on to in my life that maybe it's time for me to let go? What What am I holding on to in my life? Maybe it's time for me to let go of. It's an interesting question to explore because there's lots of little angles we can look at it. If you can really identify, as I'm kind of talking about this right now, if you can identify what these things are, well then you can start to see what has been the cost of me holding on to this. So if I go back to the example of my friend, I'm holding on to my frustration towards my father. Because he let me down at a time that was really important to me. Now, what actions does that lead to? Well, I'm not going to make a commitment to the relationship with him. When he does try, and this guy's father did try, but when he does try, I'm going to reject him. I'm I'm going to give him an energy that lets him know that I'm not really bothered with him in this life when we think about the cost of that, there is the obvious cost of the disconnection with the person, but A, do I want to be this person? C, have I lost the opportunity to have support from this person in my life? I went from A to C there, I'm not quite sure how I did that. A, B, (laughs) C, but you can kind of start to see, C, what what could I blossom with this person? What experiences could I have with this person? Now, this is very much a personal thing, but I think, When you think about, and it's kind of actually going to tie into what I think about here, but when we think about what I hold on to in my life, can you identify what those things are for you? And maybe, how do I let those go? How do I shift my perspective? How do I assess what what is the cost of me holding on to this in my life? Would my life be better if I let go of this? And opened up to a different way of thinking in this area here. Now Sometimes that can be hard. Like with people who have let you down. You you know, you you may need to protect yourself against them still. But holding on to things, that that can be hard. And maybe, maybe letting go isn't the answer sometimes. But I think for a lot of times in life we hold on to things so deeply. That actually it just ends up hurting us. And I think that's ultimately what my friend discovered was that the thing I was holding on to from a time when I was young and vulnerable, it was just hurting me. And in that moment where I was able to let that go and open the door to a different set of behaviours by letting it go, my life had so much more value to it. So my first kind of segment of today is what are those things you're holding on to? How do you let them go? And maybe how do I assess what the real cost of me holding on to this is? And it's going to lead quite nicely into my second point, because I had the interview of Kyra on the show last, last episode. It's a Dr. Kyra Bobinet. And uh, and since then I've read her book. And uh, I have to say it was a really good book. I really enjoyed it. I got a lot of that, a lot from it actually. Um, a Well-Designed Life. And I'll put a link. What's in the show notes for last episode, so you can go to my website and get it there. But there's some really good stuff there. Like you know, we had a good conversation, but I think if you get the book, you'll really reflect upon yourself. And one thing she she's really big on, and I really really enjoyed from her book was this whole idea of we need to shift our self perception in different areas if we want to change. I'll say that again. We need to shift our self-perception in different areas if we want to change how do i see myself my self-image in this area of my life and the conversation that kyra and i had which i think i'll reinforce here right now is this one with my runners that when my runners join my running group their self-image is i am a failure with exercise i am not going to be successful with exercise and so every step they take that's the battle they're fighting against, because they've got this, this image of themselves that says, I am not this. I am, I am not this. I am not a runner. So because I'm not a runner, this the behaviours I'm doing right now are against what I am doing. But as I was talking to Kyra, is that the really fascinating thing that happens with my Get Up To Five group is, in those first few weeks, again, and the thing I often say is, they're not turning up because they think they're going to love running. They're turning up because they want the result. But what happens is around that six-week mark, there's a shift. And their self-image changes. Suddenly they're not the person who doesn't see themselves as a runner. Suddenly they see themselves as a runner. And it's a really fascinating moment, as I said in Cairo in the interview, is that we have these seminars at the end of the of the Get Up To Five program. And one of the comments I hear a lot at these seminars is, I see people running around the street, and I feel like I'm one of them now. Now, that's a massive thing, isn't it? That's a massive thing to really think about. To think that, eight weeks ago, my self-image told me I am not this thing. And then, within a very short period of time, two months, suddenly, through work, and and changing behaviours, and consistently growing in an area, I now see myself as this thing. So when I'm driving a car and I see someone running down the street, I look at them and think, I'm one of those people. Now, what does this mean for you? For you, If you think about, you put yourself in the shoes of the person who's in that place. And maybe as I'm talking about this, think about you. Think about one area of your life where you're not something. You know, you're not good at music. I'll never be a writer because I can't spell. I'm not creative. I'm never going to be good at exercise. What's that thing for you? What's that thing for you that deep down, you know, maybe an area to think about with you in this area is, is what area of your life would you like to change in? Maybe it's, I'm no good at diets. Or I'm no good at healthy eating. Or, or, I'm always I'm always weak when it comes to junk food. What is my self-image that I have in the areas that I want to change? And it's a really important thing to really think about because it's one thing to think I want to change, but if I've got a self-image that's resisting that change, it's going to make change really hard. So if my self-image is I'm not an exerciser, well, that makes exercise really hard because what's going to happen when you move into that world? or well, you're moving in with this, this set of thinking that's trying to reinforce you're not this person. I'm not this person. And and again, what happens with a 5K group is that by giving them experiences of a different set of behaviors that that kind of fights against their self-image that I'm not an exerciser, over time that battle gets lost by the old image and a new image comes along that tells them that they are an exerciser or are a runner. And what do you think happens at that? Well, a whole new set of possibilities and a whole new set of behaviours become possible in that moment. And I think what Kyra is really getting at with her thoughts here, with this whole idea of designing me, I like like her idea of designing me, but designing me, and we think about self-images, one of the first points of cause you've got to address when you are going towards change is you really need to identify what my self-image is right now. Because if I don't do that first stepping stone, then I'm going to have this massive barrier in front of me every step of the way. That's, that's when I have a failure point, and we all do when we grow as failure points, that self-image is going to go, oh, see, stop it, come back to me, because I'm what you really are. And what Kyra talks about is that, ideally, it's to know that I have this old self-image, but actually that I'm working towards a new self-image, and that when I when I have those moments where the old self-image pops its head up, it's going, like, oh, no, well, that's, that's expected. I'm, I'm not expecting to be perfect, but I'm trying to redirect myself back towards the new image. And that's where she talks about slow brain, fast brain. And it's funny, I was speaking with one of my clients who has had some massive progress recently, for a while now, but it's been progressing and progressing and progressing. And we were just talking the other day, and I was just saying, you know, the really fascinating thing about you is there's never been a snap moment. There's never been a moment where it's just sudden change. Now, it's not that snap moments don't happen. Often what you find is snap moments happen for people who've gone to the lowest low. So it was me when I had those drug experiences, which were absolutely horrible. I snapped, and I went cold turkey on drugs and alcohol the next week. Well, snap moments do happen. But generally speaking, change happens with incremental change, small change that happens by just slowly winning a battle, and that when you when you have knockbacks on that battle, it's just to no, know, no, here's where my focus goes, and put your focus here. And I think that Kyra's point around the self image is a really important one. That a part of me trying to develop change is to, to really identify what my self image is, and then to try to consciously inject a different self-image that you got. And I'm actually going to read some a, a, a an exercise that Kyra has in her book, which I think is really good. Because I think, A, get a book, but B, this is a really good exercise to start in this area for you, if you think this is an area. So it's from her book, which is called uh, A Well-Designed Life, 10 Lessons in Brain Science and Design Thinking for Mindful, Healthy and Purseful, Purposeful Life. Um, by Kyra... Dr. Kyra Bobbinet, and this here is called Designing for My Me. I'm just going to read from it. How do you define me and not me? What is the me operating system that you are running? What are some not me things that you are resisting? Here are some slow brain exercises for you to write down to help, for some helpful insight about your self-image. So guys, if you want to get a piece of paper and, you know, get the podcast, Get a pen and paper, sit down and maybe work through. So I think it would be some real So first of all, here's what she says next. What I want you to do is to answer the following two questions until you completely run out of ideas. Go deeper and deeper until you literally go blank. So I'll ask the question and then pause the podcast or just even think about as many different answers you can do. So complete this sentence as fast and as many times as you can. I am a, so you can pause the podcast now, and really just write down, I am a, I am a good, I am this, I am that, I am this, I am not this, I am, I am this, I am this, I am a bad eater, I'm a great exerciser, I'm a, just, just throw them out there, just go crazy on it. Number two, complete this sentence as fast and as many times as you possibly can. I am not a. So pause the podcast, go away, and and really brainstorm that. So once you've done those, both of those, get into it. Okay, once you've done that, come back and say, review what you've just wrote. Now circle your top three answers for each question. Your first set of answers are me, and your second set are you're not me. Anything anything surprise you. Any self-images seem more dominant or mature than others. These are the scripts that you are running, and I bet you can match each of your behaviours to one or more of them. So what she's saying there is that as you look at the I am me or I am not me, and maybe this is the next level of exercise you can do is to go, what behaviours sit alongside these things here? I am me, I'm not me. What behaviours that sit alongside these? To take this further, this is going back to Kyra's book here. To take this further, do some journaling with your top three self-images for me and your top three self-images for not me and mine. Here are some questions to help you guide your insights. When has the self-image helped me improve my life or design a better life? Next question. Oh, I think we went too far. Uh, when has my self-image gotten the way or sabotaged me? What needs to happen to stop this? funny as as we think about this because I just think of a session I've had with one of my clients recently and one of my clients is in a moment in their career where they want career change and one thing that we've really talked about is and it's the exact same stuff you know it's funny that this stuff crosses over to my real world when when we think about it but we're just talking about you know they want to change a career and it was really interesting in the first few sessions that I had with this person and that they were saying that that they knew they want to change And when they looked at themselves, when they came back to me and said what they wanted to look at doing with their career, it was very much based on a limited box that they had around themselves, that I am a type of person who deserves this level of career. And when they were talking about what jobs they are looking at moving towards, they were very much a sideways step or even a backwards step based on where they are currently in life. And... I really challenged him. I was saying, well, why why is it that you aren't being more ambitious? Why is it that you are someone who knows you want change? But the change you're looking for is, is, is like it's understandable why you want to get out of the position I'm currently in. But at the same time, you're sitting in a place where you're just going, well, I'm this level of person, so I can look for change either across over there or back behind me over there. And, and what I wanted to really challenge this person with is what box have you put yourself, what self-image have you put around yourself that tells you that's all you can aim for? And when I, when I really threw that question at them, I think it's a really interesting question to think about is what self-image have I put around myself that limits me from thinking higher? And that's what I challenged this person with and I said, well, why, why can't we get you to think higher? What, what do we need to shift? And so what we did is we went away and we said, well, what boxes have you got? What How do those boxes limit you? When you look at the actions in your past, it's kind of the same stuff Kairos did here. And then what's better self-perception I need to have? And how do I start working towards doing the weeks of training like I do in the Get Up To fight with those people that allows myself to see that I'm a kind of person who can expect a higher level? And as we talked about it, it became really clear to this person that they did have a higher level they desired. It's just their self-image told them that they couldn't go for it. Now that's a really limiting thing in life, isn't it? It's a really limiting thing. And if we can learn to remove our boxes, and that's what we're doing with my client here, and they're doing a great job, because now th- now they're looking at a world going, well, why, can- why do I have to go sideways or backwards? Actually, there's many steps in front of me that are really exciting, and, and actually deep down, if I'm going to be really honest, that's what I want. But now because I'm changing my self-image in this box, I'm doing the behaviors that actually reinforce the better way of thinking. Because the reason we get to the person with the get-up-to-five to get to the point where they can actually see themselves as a runner is, we get them running for six weeks. Now sure, we make it easy with easy behaviors and we build their belief and all the rest of it, but after six weeks of running, you you, you know, you've ran consistently and you've, you're going longer and faster and you're... You've got to start seeing yourself in that of different image. And that's what we're doing with my client here is that we're saying, okay, well, what's higher? Okay, well, what's the behaviors that are going to start to make you believe that? And then when you have those little dents in your armor that reinforce your old self-image, how do we redirect you this Is that fast brain, slow brain? How do we get the slow brain to redirect you to build that neuro, neuro pathway that says, no, no, I'm a person who expects this higher level. We're really good at limiting ourselves, aren't we, when we think about it? We're really good at being putting putting ourselves in a box that says, I, I am something in this world. And that box could have been put around you by other people. It could have been put around you by some negative experiences, by some failures. It could be your own self-talk working against you. But look what that box does for your life. Look what that self-image of in areas where you know you want to change, look what it's doing for your life. It's, it's limiting you. And I kind of think back to my first pointer today of that kind of letting go of what you need to let go of. Well, maybe you need to let go of this self-image. And maybe you need to develop a, a plan that allows you to look at who you really are and, and breaking down the, what that self-image, that limit it puts around your life. And to put some work in to go, well, what's a different perception? Oh, I see myself as this kind of level of worker. I could never be a manager. Well, why not? What's the new box we want to put around you? The new way of thinking, the new self-identity that you're working towards. And to realise I'm not going to have that self-identity straight away. But if I do work and I and I and I do some courses and I surround myself with managers and I and I create opportunity for myself, I'm gonna wake up one day and I'm gonna be a manager. I'm gonna run that 5K and think I'm a runner. I'm gonna have a healthy diet and not think I'm a bad eater the box I put myself in, the self-image I have on myself has a massive influence on my behaviour. And if I can learn how that's stopping me and I can work towards a much better self-image with the understanding that it's an incremental change that I'm going to work towards, you're going to wake up in the future, probably not in that too distant future, seeing the world in a different light. In a light that allows you possibilities that maybe you don't see right now, and opens you up to a life that probably is a lot more satisfying for you. And once the thing is like, if, if we get to that point where you're running the five k and you see yourself as a runner, it, it, it's 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 not hard then. You know, it, it's fun, it's rewarding, you love it, and if anything, you want to grow more in that area. So, what about you? What are your boxes? What are your limits? Are you confronting them? Are you, are you attacking them in a way that makes them to shift forward? If you don't, what does it mean for the rest of your life? And if you do, what does it mean for the rest of your life? I kind of think that if you do, you're definitely going to be that better version of yourself. Rodeo right, team, that's pretty much the main gist of today's show. Um, yeah, interesting stuff. I, it, it's something I've really been thinking about a lot in my life lately because I'm going through a change period in my life. Like, um, I live in a career that's very much kind of the athlete's career and that, you know, it's it's a physical game, it's a young man's game, I'm getting to my late 30s, um, I've kind of planned for this moment in my life, but, you know, change is about to come. And a lot of that is me shifting out of boxes that I'm very successful in, or or not successful, but very confident in, in exploring different areas. And it's, 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 it's tough work. But it's also really important work, because I think if we think about the evolution you know, evolving those boxes is going to be a really important part. So hopefully you guys got lots lot of from that. Let's get an email I'm going to quickly flick up. I got an email through from Richard. Richard, what's your last name? Everson. Richard Everson, he's a good supporter of the show and he wrote me this really cool email with um, just a bit about my interview of Kyra but I also got just recently your podcast also be aligning with my own journey. I joined a new gym last year and settled into a comfortable routine, warm-up, standard sets, etc. It was only when I signed up for the 2016 CrossFit Open that I found the courage and motivation to set some really challenging wads and push myself again. And hearing you talk about running 3.45 per K was enough to bring my splits down from 5.45 to my current splits of 4.50. Wow, that's massive. Like a, a minute off a K, team. That's that's a lot. That Like it really is. Uh, no doubt, I doubt I'll ever achieve the sub four minute split, but that's not the point. Even at age forty-nine, I'm setting new PRs and loving the buzz you described as when you taught your twenty-six-k run in the mountains. Awesome stuff. And, and what Richard's really reinforcing there is that it was kind of what I was talking about before the last show. That I love it when you're when you're thriving with exercise, and I think a lot of people have that habit of exercise. But that moment when you're thriving. Admittedly, my injury has meant that I've had to take a bit of a step back to that thriving moment. But again, I'll get back there. I know I will. And and Richard, you know, I know Richard's an exerciser. But it's that thing of I want to be better because I'm exercising. And he's in that place. He actually sent me through some of his results from his wads. And it sounds like the boy is kicking some butt. So well done, Richard. And uh, yeah, well done. So good stuff. So team, if you are looking for that next level of motivation, Find a goal that, you know, particularly if you are an experienced exerciser, exerciser is really find that challenging goal. Uh, that's pretty much this week's show. I'm going to be back a couple of weeks from now. i going to interview with a guy called Bryce Hastings. Very excited about that. One thing I'm, I'm thinking about doing, I'm heading off to England. Um, today, actually. I'm leaving at midnight tonight. What's all that about? So it's currently 10.30 in the morning, and I'm flying out of here at midnight tonight. So that's going to be a bit crazy. But I... Um, I'm going to england and there's one person you guys have heard me talk about a lot on the show is a guy called chris who's kind of the one mentor of my life if i'm going to be honest and had a big impact on my life and he's the kind of friend who you don't really keep in contact with um but when you see them you know it's going to be great and i'm going to spend a couple days with chris and i think i may interview him now chris is a very very special person uh, emotional intelligence like you wouldn't believe but but kind of intelligent in all areas um and i just just a very wise man and i think i might take my microphone because i'm staying at his house for a couple nights and i think i may just say look mate can i just get you on the show because i i've spoken of you your influence upon me so much and um i'd love you to share some of the way you look at the world so we've got that i'm going to try to do that they will probably be another couple of shows away. But Bryce Hastings is Les Mills International's head scientific researcher. He spends his whole time just figuring out what makes people exercise. And in a couple weeks from now, I'm going to have Bryce on. He's a rock star. But the thing I love about Bryce the most, well, on top of why he's great at what he does for his job, is Bryce is the ultimate person when it comes to living an adventurous life. And what I mean by that is this open-minded attitude of get out there and experience life and i actually talked to him about this on his interview i've already done the interview just because he's a real inspiration to me around trying new stuff trying new worlds and and guy this guy tries new worlds so check that out in a couple weeks from now guys the patrons of the show you know who you are you're bloody rock stars i absolutely love you um if you want to become a patron go to bevanjamesos.com spread the word about the show if you can go onto itunes and put a review up on itunes you must say you love it if you do that <laughs> if you don't like it i don't want your review <laughs> which will probably happen now is that people don't like it will we'll put that review in so so those who love it please just put a review on itunes uh or, or any podcast you use Put your Facebook posts up there. Spread the word about the show. Guys, you absolute rock. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Back from London. I'm really looking forward to it. So I'll see you guys real soon.